Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. Hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. Woo, child. Tired of the bullshit. Going to shoulders off and keep, keep it, it moving. <laughs> we did it. Hey, we did it. Sort of. Sort of. We got part of it in. That was Lizzo. It has nothing to do with our topic area today. I just no. wanted to sing it. I, I I, it's a fun it's a fun one i yeah. do like a spe- the chorus hair toss check my nails baby how you feeling yeah yeah i know i'm into catchy. i'm into it i'm into I like it. it that's and that's the only reason i picked it hi everyone welcome back to our podcast shit your shrink thinks we are two shrinks we tell you what we think about mental health topics we introduce new skills to you we try to give you a little bit of Deets, yep. hot goss on our personal lives <laughs> to spice things up. Keep it interesting. The tea, if you will. Ooh. Spilling tea? Yeah. Question mark? I think that, yeah. Yeah. I'm not hip. Sometimes I dump it in the harbor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my husband has a shirt that just says 1776, the year we made tea parties fun again. Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> What's up? America. <laughs> America. <laughs> Nobody else thinks that's no, funny. Everybody no. else is like, okay. So as you guys know, we do have an Instagram, a Facebook, a Twitter. We also have a Patreon, and yes. that is www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink things. Support if, us. Yeah, support us. If you're liking what we're doing, some support helps us continue making this podcast. And yeah, and it, we'll hopefully add more stuff on there when we get a few more supporters, yeah, you know, yeah. other than our friends and family. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Remember, it's cheaper than therapy? Question mark. <laughs> so, yes, and then also we do have a Gmail, so feel free to reach out to us we've been enjoying the fan mail that we've been getting so thank yes, you so much so awesome we love hearing from you guys and that shit your shrink thinks at gmail.com yeah so. as you guys might also remember we're still learning about each other on this podcast yes. so we like to share at what's good where maybe we share a story mm-hmm. or just some fun thing that's uplifting yes. so sunny what is your what's good M- mine is terrible oh god (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not i mean it's good and it's not good i have you know i love trashy reality tv as i have mentioned right okay so this week selling the oc got came up on my netflix i have no idea what that is oh yo okay so selling sunset is the original show and this is a branch off of that show selling sunset is a show where these horrible human beings sell real estate but oh. it's really not about did you ever watch like california the- real estate i'm mm-hmm. guessing okay california real estate yeah so did you ever watch uh the hills or laguna beach no okay it's <laughs> i never watched any of those shows but i know but what- you know of them. yes it's the same exact style okay but imagine those young women grew up into horrible horrible real estate adults. agents yes okay 
Yes. Also real estate agents. And they are now... The drama between them trying to sell properties and fight over properties? Yes. This is exactly it. Okay. The drama. And so it is Banana Town. I know it's probably highly scripted, but I just love every... I just love it. I love every second of it. The more insane somebody is on that show, the better. To me, it's just... It's perfect. So they came out with a branch where it's not selling Sunset. It's not in LA anymore. It's in... Orange County. Oh, selling it's the OC. OC. Got it, yeah. got it. So, uh, and they have a bunch of new characters, and I get to decide which ones, whose team I'm on now, right. who I think who's is. Who's like the real trash and who's the fun trash. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I couldn't put it better myself. And so I'm just sitting around, you know, with my hand down my pants, eating popcorn, just having a ball with that show. So I'm, that's my life right now, and I'm very much enjoying it. What I about love you? That. I love that. I just have a random fun fact. Okay. Hit me. So the voice actors for Mickey and Minnie Mouse were actually married in real life. What? Yeah. So Wayne Allwine. Okay. I don't know if I pronounced that right. He's the man who voiced Mickey. And Russie Taylor is the woman who voiced Minnie. They started spending time together outside of recording and they ended up getting married. Aww. Yeah, and they were married for 18 years until Wayne's death in 2009 and then Russie did pass in 20. 2019 wow but i thought it was really cute that mickey and minnie were actually married in real life that is really like, cute yeah also is this mickey ha ha <laughs> yeah i'm right <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy oh boy yeah that's very cute i love that that's heartwarming thank you for the what's good that yeah. makes me happy so this week uh we want to talk about what we did for homework what did you try mine was the gratitude of attitude <laughs> Uh, exercises kind of. Yes. I didn't really do legit exercises. I did try to think about what I was grateful for periodically, mm-hmm. but it was a really rough week for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was, I was, it was a rough week, guys. So there were moments where I was really conscientious and I expressed gratitude for some of the little things that were going right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely moments where I was pretty lost in the sauce. So yeah. again, when I expressed Mix. the gratitude, yeah, it was great, but I was always able to express the gratitude when when there were, you know, little bright, shiny moments mm-hmm. am- amongst the chaos. Yeah. So it helps you kind of hang on in the darkness yeah. sort of thing. But yeah. It's, but it's harder to do when things it are is. stressful. Yeah. When, when shit's really hitting the fan, it's really hard for me to get my mind to think, hey, what are you grateful for right now? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'm grateful for nothing. <laughs> Not a damn thing. Uh, yeah. But I mean, again... Just something to keep working on. You were weathering the storm this week. Yes. You at least got a couple in. You saw yeah. the shiny moments when they happened. Right. So, hey. That's something. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Right. Absolutely. How did your uh, homework go? I was also doing the gratitude exercises and I just tried to think of, uh, to experience something when I was feeling gratitude to just kind of acknowledge it in that moment. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I just noticed myself feeling a lot of gratitude for is being able to kind of get back in my exercise routine. And I was taking a kind of like a kickboxing fighting class Ooh, that's where I got fun. to punch things and, and yeah, yeah. throw elbows, like literally throw elbows. And I just was so, I just felt grateful for my ability to turn my torso and punch stuff. <laughs> just, yeah, after being a swollen... Uh, giant human. Yes, yes. With pregnancy and everything, I could turn fully around. I could kick the air. Yeah. I could punch things. Yeah, yeah. I could 
actually throw elbows. And so it was awesome. I just, I felt strong. I was excited and I kind of like could access my little ragey side and just <laughs> punch at stuff. It was awesome. And I, I felt like it. I was in Mortal Kombat. So, hey, you know what? That's what I focused on this week. I love that. There is something really, again, those techniques are so empowering. You're like, yeah. come at me, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> come at me, air bro. Yeah. <laughs> Non-existent bro. <laughs> so. Look at these moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was basically just alone in my house like Napoleon Dynamite with like nunchucks. Oh, that's epic. I love it. <laughs> got nunchuck moves. I got yes. Krav Maga moves. <laughs> got Muay Thai moves. I mean, I was just dancing around, but I felt strong. So it was exciting. That's That's all that matters. Yeah. 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 So this week we are talking about, I figured that we could do kind of like little series where we picked at some point at random different famous people's mental health Mm -hmm. to talk about. And this week I decided to pick the painter Vincent Van Gogh. I went to the touring art show that was beyond Van Gogh where I saw his art. And so basically they project all of his art all through this giant room. Yeah. And they kind of set it to music and they also give it motion so that it will be blurry at times and it will kind of resolve into the actual image and then it'll kind of slide away and they'll kind of illuminate different parts of the art. So it's well, a lot so of- much of his art was kind of yeah you know, movement focused yes yeah so i mean it was very very interesting cool i didn't expect it to be as cool as it was but it was very cool so there was a moment in the show where they were showing self-portraits of him and they're pasted all over the walls and honestly he just looked to me really sad mm. and uh, i learned at that time that he had been in a french asylum for quite a long time when a lot of those paintings were done interesting and so I found myself being very emotional in this exhibit, which is weird. I'm not, that's not typical. Yeah, no, no, that's not. For me. No. So I was like looking into this dead painter's <laughs> eyes in this exhibit, and I was just saying out loud that I was sorry to him. Aww. And I was like, what is this reaction? And I thought, well, maybe I'm seeing something in the art. I don't know that, you know, that he experienced that he was expressing Mm -hmm. yeah that he couldn't yeah Yeah. and i just felt like oh god as a mental health professional i just i'm sure that you were treated like shit in that asylum and i just want to let me just hear about your experience it was almost like i was doing like a trauma narrative with (laughs) like vincent van gogh but from the past and so i was like you know what let me look into this guy's memory and just kind of see what happened explore some things Yeah. yeah i love that you went to that exhibit it's it was a very cool, hip exhibit that was being very advertised, and yeah, it, I did not go because <laughs> there would be people. <laughs> there are people there. There are people there. It did. I felt I went during a weekday, and so there was very few people there, nice. and so it was just a kind of more of an open space, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and I could kind of wander and think about I don't know, contemplate art and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I think. I would have enjoyed it, but yeah. I didn't take the time. It was surprisingly not, cool. Yeah. I But I always, I mean, I've always been in art museums and stuff like that, so it wasn't right out of my wheelhouse at all. It was, yeah, I enjoyed it. The classical piano got me. It was awesome. Mm, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, having the music to it, and like you said, just, the, I don't know, the way his art is anyway with the movement. Like, I saw other people posting pictures or doing things. Yeah. I'm like, it does look pretty cool, yeah, but I'm not going to take the time. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what for you is the most infamous event you know about 
Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, everybody. It's the ear. Yeah. Right? It's the ear. Yeah. It's him cutting off his ear. Yes. Yes. So, folks, I figured we'd start out with this famous event of Vincent Van Gogh cutting off his own ear. So, what the heck happened? Now, before this podcast, did you know anything about what happened? No. No. I knew nothing about nothing. I mean, again, I knew his art and I appreciated his art. And I knew the ear thing. Mm-hmm. So I knew he had some like demons. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know much else other than that. Mental health diagnosis in like the 1800s. He got demons. Yeah, we, <laughs> we got to bleed out the demons. <laughs> Leeches. Leeches. Get them out. So the circumstances for him cutting off his own ear were unclear. But it appears that Van Gogh was working with a close artist friend of his when there was a serious argument that broke out. We don't know what the fight was about, but it escalated very quickly and... And infamously, he cut off his own ear and he gave it to a sex worker downstairs in the brothel just next to the home that he was working in. Which I find very interesting. Like, hey, lady, here's my ear. (laughs) Like, can you imagine? I dig it. (laughs) Like, here's a piece of me. I couldn't give you my heart because I would die, but here's my ear. Yeah. Can you imagine getting that sort of a piece of somebody? Oh, my God. A bloody piece of somebody. Oh, my God. No. I... Any kind of body part, no. I mean, I guess I would rather take an ear than like, I don't know, a penis or some weird, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I suppose there are worse body parts to get, but I don't want any of it. I'd rather take an ear than a penis. Yeah, that's probably fair. So I've, after that, shortly after that, he was admitted to an inpatient psychiatric hospital in Arles, France. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But it was known as an asylum at the time. And it's thought that he might have been having auditory hallucinations. So it's thought that he cut off his ear in order to silence the voices and also some negative automatic thoughts. Yeah, I think I did hear that bit about about the ear experience that they were thinking that he was hearing things and trying to silence them. Mm-hmm. So what do you know about asylums in the past? <laughs> <laughs> we should do one on that because yes. honestly, they were buck wild. The stuff yes. that they would do, I mean, they were basically torture chambers. Absolutely. For anybody who they didn't want in their society, you know, people would be put into them even when they weren't really that ill. Ill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Women, for one. Like, yes. Nah, she didn't listen. So we're yeah. going to go ahead and put She's her in hysterical. Here. Yeah. Because <laughs> she won't do what we asked. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit about his experience in the French asylum. And I think we really could do, I think we could really get down with some historical episodes of mental health and historical figures and asylums mm-hmm. and people who improved asylum and mental health conditions. But yeah. Uh, Dorothea Dix, I think, was the, yep. the big woman in yeah, that. Yeah, she but... was a big one. Was she actually a social worker? I bet she was. I think she was. Or a nurse or something like that. Maybe. But she was very social worky. Like, yeah, If she yeah. wasn't called a social worker at the time, that's right. what she was. Right. I, I mean, feel like there's somebody, I, for some reason in my head, I associate her with my education where they were like, she was like the start of our Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm sure she I'm sure she was. She but was again, like either way, big... any kind of mental health. I mean, clearly. Yeah. 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 So his experience, although the asylum that he was in was fairly progressive, they did. And progressive at that time was they didn't beat him or use restraints. <laughs> right. They didn't like chain him up. So right. I guess that's something. That's right. Yeah. But they and they did believe in painting and music therapy. Which is some yeah, that's something. Yeah, it's another big deal. And Van Gogh was close with the staff and the director, so he was able to keep painting, which is pretty cool. And uh, this was one of the more prolific periods that he painted. 
So he made several uh, paintings for the director, actually. And I thought it was really funny because the director did not like them. That's so sad because they are so unique. Now, granted, if it was like some of those portraits, I could see the director being like, thanks, Van Gogh. Like another picture of your face. Love it. (laughs) Another sad portrait. (laughs) It's like when you get a picture, you you get a picture from your little kid that they drew and you look all buck wild and you're like, thank you. Yeah, they're like, look, Bob, it's me and you. And you're like, why do I look like a dragon? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine what he was actually giving the the director. But inevitably, I'm sure the director accepted it. So he painted several of his most prolific paintings and i couldn't confirm i thought he painted starry night in there because he could see i know he could see that countryside from his Mm. asylum window oh cool but i can confirm that he painted the famous iris's painting in there so he was very prolific while inside of asylum and he was housed with essentially any person who had anything even sort of looking like a mental health condition in there so again basically anybody could be admitted into an asylum. Yeah. Usually, I forget what they call this, but we have levels of care. Yeah. Stratification of care in our field where, you know, if you're seeing somebody on outpatient, it means they're a little less severe. And inpatient, you would kind of divide up different areas. You know, maybe this person right. has dementia and you would put them in an older adult clinic who, right. that specializes yeah. I mean, in even that. today, you know, different assisted living nursing home they have like dementia units yeah 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 you might not house that person with somebody who's using substances actively and you know is going through rehab for substance use but here everything it was all all of the above so van gogh mentions in letters that he was housed with people he didn't call it delirium or dementia but you could tell that it was that's what he was describing yeah it was delirium and dementia or people with developmental delays you could also tell that he was housed with people who had severe behavioral issues, possible brain injuries, people breaking stuff, mm. yelling at all oh, hours man. of the day oh, and man. night. Yeah. And so in untreated mental health conditions like bipolar and schizophrenia, it just did not matter. It was like all no holds barred. People right. were really quiet. People were really loud. We don't care. Just let's mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the bed that we have a room opening. So this is where you go. Yeah. He he was in there for like a year, I want to say. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He was. So it's important to know that he was saying to staff that he was perfectly lucid at times. And he did experience like long periods where he wasn't having episodes. And uh, then he would essentially go into blackout states where he would eat paint and possibly an attempt to poison himself. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he would say later, I don't remember. I don't remember doing that or I don't I don't recall the rationale for that choice, essentially. Whoa. Yeah. So eventually um, he, he was in asylum for about a year and then kind of the sad end of the tale is he did eventually end his own life at the age of 38. Gosh, it's so young. I know. It's so young. I know. Oh, man. I know. I know. And so after the story, I couldn't help but wonder what treatment would have helped him. How would we diagnose him today? And, you know, what would have helped him? So what do you know? Have you ever thought about, like, what did Van Gogh have? What was going on there? Have you heard anything about that? Again, I think the main thing that I have heard was the possible like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. Yes. Yeah. But again, I could I could see, you know, bipolar mm-hmm. with, you know, 
psychotic symptoms potentially yes some kind of depressive disorder with with hallucinations Mm -hmm. like you said brain injury yes that could that's legit that there could have been something there tumors yeah stroke or if he's eating paints yeah right (laughs) that could have caused some issues right exactly we don't know how long that was going on for sure And it also could have been a substance-induced condition or psychosis. Yeah. Even some STDs can cause, you know, hallucinations, Mm -hmm. delusions, et cetera. And so it's not as black and white as today where, you know, we can rule out a medical condition. We can say like, okay, you do or do not have a tumor. You do or do not have this like bacteria. Right. You do or do not have, I don't know, an infection that causes these things. Now we can say that. Then it was just medical mixed with mental right it didn't really it was like all one thing right well and they didn't time. have quite the the tools to figure it out they didn't have the different things to you know do like an mri and see like okay nope we're good here or exactly. no we're not you know that's part of the factor too it's hard to differentiate and diagnose when you don't have the means yes exactly and so i wanted to add some background because i wanted to see like really what else was he struggling with was this something that was organic and medical can we say that or could we maybe learn something more about his history was it environmental right what we do know is that reports suggest that van gogh was moody as a child he was pretty temperamental Mm -hmm. he was highly impulsive beginning even as he was very young and this means that Van Gogh's condition may have been in some way had like a little bit of an organic component to it. Right. Because yeah. he was If he's probably, having stuff at childhood, yeah. that's... He's born this way. Yeah. In some, yeah. In some respect. Maybe not right. totally. Yeah. But... It could have been escalated by, you know, eating paints and stuff. Yes. But... <laughs> but there might have been something going on there. Right. And we also found out later at one point that his sister was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Interesting. So there was a history of mental wellness issues in the family. So, And I don't know what, you know, schizophrenia at that time probably was a loose diagnosis. Right. Yeah. I probably didn't didn't need as much to get that diagnosis as you do today. And and she was a lady. So. Sure. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. We slap diagnosis on women a lot at that time period. But it's still something to consider. Right. He also did have some depressed moods in adulthood. And he had frequent career switching. So at first he was kind of a man of the cloth, a man of religion, and mm, then he became an artist. Okay. Yeah. So like he had kind of like failed a bunch of different careers. I think he also tried to be an art dealer mm, at one point in okay. time. So he was just kind of switching it up, which could suggest something clinically that he was just kind of bouncing all over the right, place. Right. Some of that impulsivity and mm-hmm. yeah. Had a hard time getting structured or settled anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Which may be typical for an artist, but it could also be a symptom. We don't know at that time. Um, We also know that later when he was living in Paris during that point of his career, his mental health issues were a little bit more impairing. So in Paris, he was having some some episodes of terror. He would have lapses in his consciousness. He would have um, these tonic spasms of his hand and he would kind of stare off into space and then he would be confused and amnestic, which is a whole nother level, right? So that's, yeah. we take these other symptoms and we've just turned the dial up to 10 or 11. And to me, when I read that, I thought, that sounds kind of like a seizure or a stroke. Yeah. It sounds Again, it sounds more... a little bit more like the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like an organic uh, medical sort of thing. And so we do know that he was using absinthe very mm. highly at that time period. the green fairy the green fairy have you ever had absinthe i no i have not but we actually have a tiny little bottle mm-hmm. uh 
that was given to us, I think, clear back when we were married. We have yet to use it because why? <laughs> yeah. Ex- yeah. Right. Uh, there's If I'm going to have some alcohol, I don't know if I want to experiment with the Green Fairy. <laughs> you know, like, I got to be in some kind of mood, I feel like, for that. And I just never get in that kind of mood. <laughs> you know what? First of all, I'm always in that mood. <laughs> I'm ready to party. But I don't think I've had that experience with that. I've had absinthe. Yeah. And I've never had any kind of like weird thing. Hallucinations yeah. or. You know, now I'm thinking about it. I might have tried it once in New Orleans. Yeah. That sounds like a place to try absinthe. <laughs> yeah. But I, again, I don't think then I, but I was also drinking other drinks that night too. Yeah. Like, I don't think. Yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not sure what caused what there. Yeah. I mean, I've <laughs> no had No hallucinations. It. I wonder if too, there's like a different, maybe there's like a def, different chemical composition of the absinthe that is. Back then. Yeah, that yeah. is back then. I'm assuming that it was. I'm guessing that one had more of the, you know, naughty yeah. drugs. The naughty drugs. are not allowed today. And probably the toxicity. Yes. And so we can kind of see like, okay, if this is something that makes you hallucinate. And also I do know, for example, like the content of certain alcohol would kind of eat your brain back in the True. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a clinical diagnosis, eat your brain, but it would literally cause like issues, right. organic issues in your brain, which would then cause delusions. Disintegration. Of, yep, yeah. Exactly. Disintegration yeah. of certain parts and delusions and hallucinations. Right. So right. Probably a combination of it being absinthe itself and also being alcohol Just distilled that kind of alcohol. Time, yes. Yeah. yeah. Could have really uh, had Been some. a factor. Yeah. We also know that he was starting to get some temper he was kind of uh even having more impulsivity and mood changes he was getting in fights with people that he Mm. normally really respected so he was very very close with his brother and he was getting in more fights with his brother interesting and eventually he moved to arla's which is like he basically just moved to the country okay uh, the countryside of france and he gave up drinking and smoking at that time but then he found that he couldn't control his catastrophic thinking Uh, and so he went back to drinking right. and smoking. And of course, his symptoms, these kind of periods where he blacked out, returned. Right. And uh, eventually, these were what led him to his commitment to asylum, the famous incident where he cut off his ears. Right. Um, at the hospital, he was diagnosed by a young physician named Felix Ray, and he was diagnosed with epilepsy actually Hmm, interesting okay yeah he was prescribed something called potassium bromide and he reports that that helped hmm and i wonder i don't know a lot about potassium bromide i don't know but i've heard of it yeah i wonder i don't almost if it's like a lithium salt sort of thing that sounds sounds right like that yeah 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 but either way it said he said it helped him a little bit right and so one that would fit again even if it was epilepsy i mean that's a diagnosis Lithium type is with, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar, Mm -hmm. you know, something today that is helpful for those diagnoses. Yeah, so so it hmm. could have been, that makes sense why it could have been useful. And plus, one has to assume he also had to cut down the drinking right, of absinthe yes, and smoking right, when he was in hospital. Should make a difference. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> was it the potassium bromide that helped him? Was it his reduction in drinking and smoking that helped him? Right. Was it a stable environment, stable housing right. that helped him? And it's, having just supportive people who mm-hmm. kind of understand a little bit of those behaviors better. Yeah. Maybe just having a consistent schedule and painting. Yeah. Right? It's hard to say, but these were the symptoms and this is what kind of happened. 
when he would relapse on absinthe, so if he got it in the hospital uh, mm. uh, in some way, some fashion, he would relapse and have these episodes again. So we can surmise that it was probably connected. Um, and as I said, these these episodes are what led him to shooting himself eventually. He reports that he actually had lived through the shot. He had shot himself in the chest. And oh he reports that he just kind of was like in one of these episodes and just sort of gave up because he lived for several days afterwards oh man um no matter how you choose to think about it kind of whatever way that you think about it at least his brother his closest person was able to be by his side to come and spend the last moments with him yeah oh man yeah i know right isn't that so when i was looking into van gogh's eyes i think there was i don't know some sadness there that was i didn't know any of that before i uh I looked into it. Right. You so. could see the lost soul behind the eyes, know, kind of. Just I know. Conf- again, confusion and yeah. kind of in and out and, yeah. you know, it's not just, feeling like connected to a lot of people, yeah. it seems, and not feeling like he knew who he was because he's jumping mm-hmm. from thing to thing. Yeah. And I just, I felt so much empathy and sadness because of how poorly mental health was treated. Oh my gosh. You know, and it's still, it still is, but I just, it's one of those things that really deeply, deeply bothers me. And Yeah. I don't even know really why I, uh, it is part of the reason I got into the field. I mean, I don't personally struggle from schizophrenia, but it just, it really, really bothers me the way we treat people with serious mental illness. It really upsets me. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of like bear witness to his story and give some kind of context. And based on that, on those clues, you know, what is the verdict? What's the diagnosis we could have made? Can't be sure, but there's some theories. So what do you think? What What's one of them? It could be temporal lobe epilepsy, maybe, produced by the absinthe and mm-hmm. um, in the presence, again, of that early, in the presence of the early limbic lesion. Yep. Could have been a mood disorder in childhood with psychotic proclivities. Could have been bipolar or schizophrenia. Could have been possible brain damage at birth leading to impulsivity. Impulsive. Yeah. yeah. Again, the substance use disorder, just mm-hmm. him consistently using that, considering the how he would have the episodes when mm-hmm. he was using. Absolutely. Clearly a correlation, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And so the point is, is yes, likely in today's time, there probably could have been something we could have done to help. Mm-hmm. It could have been as simple as staying in a better facility, having calmer, cleaner and better interactions with other people around you having group therapy it could have been as simple as medications for epilepsy or it could have even been related to surgery if you really did have a tumor or a lesion you could have done something like that but certainly there would have been something that you could do right yeah today he he might have survived past 38 with the different support and help and treatment and awareness yeah exactly exactly artist types don't necessarily have to be sick to produce something beautiful (laughs) i think that's kind of like a misnomer is like we say that people have to be sick and and kind of um, confused and in a terrible dark and yeah dark yeah be in a terrible state to produce something positive but that's not necessarily true no definitely not we should make sure that these people have the help that they deserve so so what do you want to do then for our outside of podcast experiment sunny Yeah, so this one actually just kind of made me think back to what I like about painting Mm. and uh, what I like about drawing. And I haven't painted or drawn in a very long time, probably a number of months. I did a while ago, did kind of like a art show type thing, maybe a year or two ago. I had done that and I'd put some of my stuff up and it was just, it felt really good to have like that bulk of work to show, not necessarily the 
the show itself wasn't what was cool. It was the doing the art that was really right. fun. I made this. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I missed how it made me feel to be that concentrated. And so to mm. me, it just was a reminder of how powerful it is to paint and to express your emotions in that way. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind, folks, for those of us who are listening who aren't as creative, that's all good. I remember I had a very good friend. I think she listens to the show, actually. And uh, I remember her telling me, you know, I'm not creative. I really just like straight lines, black and white things. I'm not really that sort of person. But we painted a couple times just doing some abstract stuff with acrylic paints, throwing stuff on the on the canvas, yeah. moving it around with our hands and sponges and just putting whatever bright colors together that we wanted to. And it created a lot of beauty. And I think mm. that she actually ended up taking it up as a hobby after that to help with kind of like mood management and emotion stuff so i dig that yeah even the abstract stuff again like you said throwing paint on a canvas literally throwing it can be really cathartic absolutely it can be so what about you what are you going to try for your outside practice i love the idea of painting but i know that realistically it's not going to happen in the next week Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think for me i'm i'm gonna stay in that realm and just try to kind of do a little bit of coloring Oh, I love that. Yeah, coloring. Yeah, just kind of, you know, printing off one of those random coloring pages and coloring. I cannot tell you how many clients of mine color mandalas and they tell me that it is just the most soothing if they're having an anxiety attack, if they're struggling with ruminations or negative thinking patterns or just like they just keep getting stuck on thinking about the future coloring mandalas man yeah because you got to kind of focus you're Mm -hmm. getting it in between line you're thinking about what color goes next to this color and it's kind of like an achievement it's a pleasant event and an achievement event at the same time i love that i love that so much you know yeah you know what you're what you're willing to do right yeah i'm not gonna be breaking out the paints this week i just know it so that's that's something more realistic for me (laughs) right 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 so this week i have a fabulous joke for you but i don't know do you want to tell yours first or do you want me to tell one first i've got a few so you've got a few yes so hit me all right all right why is it hard to trust an artist i don't know why because they're kind of sketchy oh (laughs) (laughs) i like that one a lot okay maybe give me one more okay did you hear the joke about the broken pencil no it's pointless oh (laughs) i love those those are so good okay okay so i've got one specific to our artist okay i love it so vincent van gogh had a really large family and here's a list of some of the lesser known relatives in the van gogh family are you ready okay there's the really obnoxious brother please go (laughs) (laughs) there's the brother who ate prunes gotta go oh god (laughs) his dizzy aunt vertigo oh no his aunt who taught him positive thinking Way to go. Oh, I like that. All right. <laughs> and his magician uncle, where'd he go? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I have one more. Okay, hit me. Why did the artist's van run out of gas? Um, He was something, something go. <laughs> <laughs> because he had no Monet, you know, the painter Monet. Monet. <laughs> to make the Van Gogh. 
Oh my God. That is so good. Oh my God. I thought I won jokes. No, you win joke. Yeah. You win joke this week. Boop, boop. You win joke. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> error, error, error. That's okay. You won the uh, digging into all of Van Gogh. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was mostly just my own desire and urge to know more about a person that I just, I don't know. Historically, he seemed really interesting to me. Yeah, and I definitely. think we could do more of these. So. I think so too. I think. Yeah, these are, these are good ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever have one, just please feel free to introduce me to the world of somebody you want to know. But also, listeners, if you have somebody you want to know yeah. about mental health-wise and what you... Yeah, if you're like, hey, what would you guys diagnose this person with? Because there's something going on. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to do it. <laughs> yes, please do. Yeah. So we thank you so much for tuning into our podcast this week, Shit Your Shrink Things. Please like us, follow us, rate us, and review us. Yes. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.